morning and happy Sabbath again. Once again, it's really good to be home. As you heard me say earlier, um, my wife and I are just back from our trip to Puerto Rico, and we, it, uh, you heard me say I was there for three weeks. Initially, we went for two weeks, and then um, when we were on our way back, the day, you know, the week, the day we were supposed to come back, we were on our way to the, to the airport, and we were forced off the highway by a, a very bizarre, like there was a road closure, they were fixing some electrical wires or something, and we, we had to get off the, the highway with no, there were no instructions on, you know, the, the company doing the road work did not bother, uh, you know, following, there was no detour signs anywhere. Um, he just said, nope, just get, I, I thought, okay, well, how am I gonna get back on the highway? And he's like, well, just turn right, turn left, you know, and two hours later, <laughs> literally. Um, it became clear that we weren't gonna make it um, to our flight, so. Um, but that's kind of how things go there. You don't know really from one day to the next whether you're really gonna be doing what you think you're gonna be doing. And, um, but our, our trip was a real blessing, and especially because you guys were such a big part of the trip, and I can't wait to, to share the rest of the um, pictures and video and stories um, with you guys. And, your prayers were really appreciated. I, I know um, my phone kind of worked when I was there, um, and so I did get some text messages, and I, I, I knew uh, from from you guys that you were praying for me, and I and I and actually your your prayers were felt. There's no question. Um, I mean, no nothing was stolen from us at the airport, which sounds normal, but actually not so much in in this. There's a lot of uh, theft going on at the airports. I mean, when my wife was waiting for me to arrive, she showed me pictures of airport workers literally just walking off with stuff that was on the, on the runway that was, you know, the help that FEMA was providing. They just kept walking by with bags with different things. Um, people, there were many stories while we were there of people who arrived like we did, but unfortunately their boxes were opened and um, so, Definitely your, your prayers were, were answered and it allowed us to deliver the help that you sent. And um, also, again, my phone kind of worked while I was there, but when it was really critical, it, it always worked, which was kind of interesting. I, I knew that was the Lord. And even um, my sister sent me a power generator when it became, and I'll, I'll tell you more about this when we get to talk about the trip, but it was crazy. Um, I was not, once I got there, it was pretty clear I was not going to by a power generator in Puerto Rico. And so my sister uh, sent me a generator from Texas and there was a glitch or some kind of mistake, you know, by FedEx which caused it to get there in three days instead of however long it was supposed to take. And then the, the shipping charge was completely insane. I mean, if I, if I told you, I mean, it was like crazy, but the, the glitch also fixed that <laughs> because 80% um, of the shipping charge was knocked off for some unknown reason, which we can't figure out why other than, than prayer. So I paid normal shipping <laughs> for a generator, which got there in three days. And, um, you know, as praying Christians, we know that this is not luck. And... Um, you know, those of us who serve Christ, we, we know this is not luck. We know that um, God hears the prayers of his people. And that's a, a good segue into our topic this morning, which is titled, 
the privilege of prayer, I'd like to use the rest of the time um, to talk to you a little bit about prayer. There's so many angles that you can pursue when talking about prayer, but today I'd like to focus on really defining what it is and on how we can get on the path to a successful prayer life. So with that, I'll, I'll have a, a short prayer, and then we can jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Christian friends. Thank you for bringing us back safely. Thank you for this church. Today we need you. I ask that your Holy Spirit will fill this room, will fill our hearts, will guide this conversation. Please don't let me get in the way or don't let anyone's heart get in the way. Speak to each one of us and tell us what you want us to hear. I pray and ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One of the um, best, if not the best, definitions that I've heard for prayer actually comes or is given by Ellen White in the book Steps to Christ. And all of us are, are familiar with that book. Um, many of us have read it and have seen the chapter 11 that's titled The Privilege of Prayer. It's where I got the sermon title from. Um, she states in, in chapter 11, she states simply that prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Now, that definition is so simple that one could actually hear it and move on without actually like realizing how accurate it really is. You almost have to, you almost have to read or hear the world's definition of prayer to truly grasp or understand, you know, how much biblical wisdom is packed into that little sentence. Um, when you Google the word prayer, the, the Google dictionary says that, and I'm quoting, prayer is a solemn request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. The Webster's Online Dictionary says something similar. It says that prayer is, and I'm quoting again, an address such as a petition to God or a God in word or thought. Now, on the surface, those definitions sound nice, but if you shine the light of God's law on them as Christians should do with anything, you realize that these definitions are steeped in untruth. The idea that real prayer can somehow include communication with an object of worship or with a God that is not the Lord our God is idolatry. And God hates idolatry. That's really clear in scripture. He absolutely hates idolatry. He doesn't want to be treated like an idol. He doesn't want to be treated like a man-made object we created in order to pull off the shelf whenever we need something. God wants to be treated as a friend. And so going back to Ellen White's definition, the, that prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend, it's a great place to start when discussing prayer because she really hits on two critical factors that are absolutely crucial to success in prayer. And that is that first and foremost, prayer is to God and God only. 
with everything that implies, and I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. And second, that our attitude toward God when, when we're praying, our posture toward him should be as to a friend. Now, I'd like to go to scripture to show you some examples of godly individuals who were successful in prayer. But as we're looking at these examples, I'd like you to remember that first critical component, which is that prayer um, is to God and God only with everything it implies. So as, as we look at these folks, I want you to notice how they completely understood that and how they completely got or understood who they were talking to. And then we'll look at why that understanding is so crucial when it comes to prayer. So I'd like to start with uh, King Jehoshaphat. It's a name that's familiar to most of us in 2 Chronicles. If you would, please turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 17. I'm reading from the King James Version. And I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. 2 Chronicles 17, 3 and 4. And just as a reminder, um, King Jehoshaphat is, was one of the good kings of, of, it, of Judah. And so, in verse 3 and 4, it says, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the, in the first ways of his father David, and sought not unto Balaam, but sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. So scripture establishes him plainly as a godly person. Okay, but now let's just go forward a couple of chapters to chapter 20 and um, see what happens when he gets in trouble and he turns to God immediately in prayer. And um, it is uh, found in chapter 20 and verse 5, chapter 20 and verse 5. And if you read the verses leading up to that, you might remember that Jehoshaphat received the news that there was a, a very great army coming against him. Um, and he, he was very afraid, and he turned to God in prayer. And it says, uh, verse 5, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? You see, before, this is just the introduction to his prayer. He hasn't made the request yet. But before he makes his request in verse 12, he completely recognizes that he is speaking to the king of the universe, to the God of the heavens, to the God who rules over the earth, including over the kingdoms of the heathen. His mindset is one of complete surrender to God because he understands and he gets that he and God are not equals. In fact, when God answers his prayer, his attitude doesn't change. It's just as amazing. If you read verse 18, I'll drop down to verse 18. It says, And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. He displays complete surrender to God. Um, the next example is Nehemiah. It's a couple of books over, uh, 
right after Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 1. And as you know, Nehemiah is another godly man who accomplished a great work for God's people in his day. And in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse, um, and verse 5 records the introduction to his prayer. And I'm going to start with verse 4 just for context. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So again, like Jehoshaphat, before he makes his request of the Lord, he first recognizes that he's speaking to the king of the universe, the God of the heavens. And it's interesting that when he finally makes his request in verse 11, which I'll read uh, part of it, uh, chapter 1, verse 11, he describes himself as being among those who have a desire to fear the name of the Lord. He says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. There's complete surrender to God in the attitude of these men. Okay, let's fast forward to the New Testament and just grab an example from there. If you would, please go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 4. This is the early church, Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading in verse 23. But um, just to set the stage, though, if you, if you were to start reading from chapter 3, you would find Peter and John at the temple, and they um, got there, and there was a lame man who was a beggar. And as you know, they healed him in the name of Jesus. And so the people were so amazed at the miracle that it gave Peter a chance to, to preach to them about Jesus Christ. And so by the time you get to chapter 4 and verse 23, where we're going to read, um, they had been arrested, um, they had been uh, threatened by the rulers, and they had been released. And so, uh, reading in verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own company, which is they, they went back to the church friends, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. This was our scripture reading. And said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? Here again, in the New Testament church is praying, and before they make their request known to God, they completely recognize him as the creator of heaven and earth and the seas and all that in them is. That was verse 24. They acknowledge him as a God of revelation. In verse 25, who revealed himself through the mouth of his servant David. And if you skip down to verse 28, which we did not read, they acknowledge him as a God who controls history. Verse 28, speaking of God, it says, For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. And just like this, you can go throughout all of Scripture finding God's people and listening to the way they pray and you will find them admitting and confessing 
first that they're talking to the God of creation, the, the God who rules heaven and earth, the person who controls times and seasons, the God to whom we owe our existence, Moses, Daniel, Hannah, who addressed God as Lord of hosts when she was praying for a child, even Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray in Luke chapter 11, he began his model prayer with an acknowledgement that God's name is hallowed. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so, what's the point? <laughs> because we can go on like this for a while, um, showing example after example, but what's the point? In today's modern Christian society, we've seemingly lost this understanding. Many of us have lost sight of the fact that prayer is to, is to the God of creation. And when we approach him in prayer, there's no recognition that we're speaking to the ruler of the universe. In our rushed, snappy attitudes, there is no surrender in our mindsets. The sandals do not come off our feet when we're in his presence. We're not planning to surrender our sin. We're not planning to surrender our lifestyles. We're not planning to come out of the prayer closet and do the things that please him. We just want what we want now with no surrender and no real commitment to getting to know the one who we're asking favors of. You see, knowing God is, is not some casual surface thing. It's, it's deep because in knowing God, we come to know who we really are. We come to know the purpose of life. We come to know even the meaning of death and the importance of Christ and the sacrifice he made for us. So when it comes to prayer, we are simply moving from knowing God toward living in communion with God. That's all prayer is. It's living in communion with God. But knowing God is first. It's like any other relationship. You first get to know the person, and then you decide whether you want to spend any time with them. And so those who commune with God on a daily basis, or said differently, those who spend much time in prayer, opening their heart to God as to a friend, as Ellen White says, are those who have gotten to know him, who enjoy his company, who enjoy listening to him, and have passed from just understanding who he is to a lifestyle of ongoing communion with him. And this thing about getting to know God, it's no small point, okay? Because listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 17. And we know that uh, chapter because it's the chapter where Jesus prays, right? If you go to John 17, and I'm going to read uh, verse 25. It's at the end of his prayer. John 17, 25. He says, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee. You see, it's the world that doesn't know God. It's not supposed to be us. We're supposed to know God. We're supposed to know him through the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
And so we're supposed to be in that group that has, that has passed from just knowing him to actually living in communion with him. And many Christians are failing in their prayer lives because they're skipping the getting to know God piece of it and they're jumping ahead to claiming promises and asking God for all kinds of things. But Jesus himself, who is the pathway to God, said in the Sermon on the Mount um, in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you're here this morning and you have an active prayer life and you're communing with God on a daily basis, then praise God. Keep doing it. Keep praying. Keep walking with the Lord. But if you're here this morning and you're struggling in your prayer life, if it feels like God is not answering your prayers, if you have challenges that have been dragging you down for weeks and months, if you have no strength to overcome the sins of your youth and you just keep falling into the same thing over and over, if it feels like you have nothing to say in prayer and you drift off when you're trying to pray, then I want to urge you in love to go home and pray, ask God for two things in this order. Two things. Number one, ask him to send you his Holy Spirit. Please go with me to the book of Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Pursuing the idea of the first thing we need to ask God for. Luke chapter 11. And just to set the context here as we're looking this up, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is praying. It, the, the chapter starts with Jesus praying, and the disciples find him praying, and they ask him to please teach them how to pray. And so he teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and he also teaches them a little bit about persistence in prayer. And then in verse 9, he says, the famous words, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you shall find. But in verse 13, he provides the bottom line. He says, if ye, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? And most of us know the Matthew version of this, of this account. Because Luke clarifies that it's the Holy Spirit he's talking about. It's not stuff. We need the Holy Spirit. That's what God is promising to give us. And so, um, number two, so we need to ask God for the Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, because the promise is sure and because you know the Spirit is coming in response to your first request... You, you, we must ask God to reveal himself to us. Please go with me to John, the book of John, chapter 16. John chapter 16. And I'm going to start at verse 12. John 16 and verse 12. Jesus says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of, of himself, 
but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. When the Holy Spirit comes, in verse 13, it's, Jesus says that he comes not speaking of his own. He brings messages from God to us and from Christ to us. In verse 15, he says that the Holy Spirit will, will show the things, will, will make things clear to us. Okay, And so we need to make these two requests of God because that's how prayer works. If you, if you don't know him, it's impossible to, to get answers to the things that are, that are really dogging us. And Jesus here gives us the formula, if you will. The answers come from the Holy Spirit, come through the Holy Spirit. We pray to God in the name of Jesus, and they send the Holy Spirit with the answer. And that's, that's really crucial. That, and, and, and then there's the promise where he says, ask for the Holy Spirit and I'll give them to you. If, you. if you don't have the Holy Spirit within, if you go through Scripture, you'll realize that, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is God in us. He's our gyroscope. He's the, the speakers. That we, that, that's how we hear God. And so, um, when you make knowing God your priority, your first priority... You will, you will move from just knowing him to that daily communion with God. And every promise of scripture will actually come to life in your life. Ask and it shall be given, Matthew 7, 7. Yes. He will keep in perfect peace those whose mind are stayed on him, Isaiah 26, 3. Yes. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, Psalm 84, 11. Yes. Whatsoever ye ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, John 14, 3. Yes, because earth-shaking, situation-changing, mountain-moving prayer success only happens in that daily communion phase with God. If you don't get there, you will never have this kind of prayer success that we so long for. We're just fooling ourselves. Yeah, we can pray about anything. We can, you know, we'll always see something. But if you, if you want life-changing answers to your problems, we must get serious about knowing, getting to know God first. And I want to end here by, by showing you a picture of what that looks like. If we go back to um, Acts chapter 4 where the early church was praying... And we, we read their introduction a little bit ago. But if we move further into the account and we get down to um, chapter, I mean, uh, chapter 4, verse 29, and this is where they're, they're making their request of God because they were, they were afraid that they were being threatened by the rulers. And it says, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And 
And the answer came in verse 31. It says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things in common. God shook the place and answered them. And we can expect the same results today if we approach God with the same attitude that they approach God with. This year uh, at Downers Grove, we, we want to renew our commitment to making God a priority, making knowing God a priority. We want to become a church that prays together successfully and not just at home in our personal prayer lives, but here together as a congregation. And um, I want to thank uh, Tina Leonor. I don't think she's here, but I think maybe Pam Dye is here. Um, I want to thank them and anyone else who was involved in deciding that our children should learn how to pray. They, those of you who were here for the little uh, school program um, saw that they gave out books and they're pushing prayer in the lower grade classrooms. And that's a real blessing. And the adults want to join the children on this walk. In fact, we want to lead them by example. Um, and uh, Ivy Leonor has graciously accepted the position of prayer coordinator this year for this church. And um, she's been working on some exciting prayer initiatives uh, that she's going to tell us about just for a couple of minutes um, before we uh, sing the final hymn. And when, she, when she's done speaking... Um, uh, Rod Metcalf and, and Jen Metcalf are going to come up and pray and, and, get, and get us started with our first prayer together um, of this season. Happy Sabbath. Yeah. Um, when uh, I got a call f uh, asking me if uh, I can take care of the prayer ministry, uh, I think and think and think about it. Uh, a while ago, a few years ago, for some reason, I, I don't know. God put on in me uh, to start a, a prayer ministry, intercessory prayer ministry. And, uh, and I started to think, how am I going to do that? He said, and Facebook came to my mind. Uh, then I started to work on that, and I started to write an announcement for all my Facebook friends and everything, and I put the first announcement in Facebook. Uh, was, I was very, very, very surprised that the, the people that uh, put a, a like for me to, to use the intercessory prayer. Since that, I have been doing it every month. I take a one week a month, and I pray. Uh, for this special uh, uh, week, I take 
a lot of time to pray for them and also for uh, for uh, people that I put in another list that I have. And I want you to, I'm going to invite you to use the uh, intercessory prayer. I would like to start to pray for each family here. Uh, when I ask for the member list of the, this church, um, was surprised for me that we have a lot of members here, but uh, because the number is for me is so big that I, I don't see uh, that amount of, of people here every Sabbath. But anyway, checking address, uh, I, said, I, I, I noticed that many, many people have been moved, and I don't know if they are attending another congregations or not. But anyway, um, I would like to start um, a prayer, uh, intercessory prayer, and, and I start to choose uh, three families and one person that I have no idea who is that person. I don't know where, if he's uh, is in another state, is in another part of this state or whatever, but he, that person belonged to this church, to this congregation. That means that he belonged to us. And I want to include them. Today, um, Jane and, and Rod are going to, to help uh, praying for this particular family. Uh, and we are going to start today uh, for the whole week to pray for this particular family. Next Sabbath, and uh, uh, the bulletin is going to appear the number, the names of the other people that uh, we, we need to start to pray for the next week. For this uh, week, um, we choose uh, family Arner. Many of us know uh, Pastor Arner. Uh, Helen Baker, I don't know if Helen Baker is here, and Clendenin family. Um, the person that I really don't know who is and where he, she at is, um, well, it's very difficult for me to read this last name, but is Aboji, Hannah? Something like that. If somebody knows her, uh, please let her know that we here at Downers Grove Church, we are praying for her. Thank you very much. Let's bow our heads as we pray for our brothers and sisters. Father, we thank you that you welcome us into your presence and that you desire for your children to come to you. And Lord, we want to lift up to you the Arner family for Joel, for Tammy, for Joel, and for Rachel. 
I pray, God, that you would um, be with them in every need they have. We know Tammy has some health problems, Lord, so we lift that up to you. We pray for wisdom for the doctors and for healing for her body, Lord, and, and anything else, Lord, spiritually and emotionally that might be going on as well. Lord, we also know that uh, Joelle just got married. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this marriage, that it would honor you, and that it would only strengthen their service towards you, Lord. Pray, Lord, for Rachel as she's still finishing up college, that you would be with her and you guide her steps. Lord, thank you for her heart to serve you and preach for you. Pray, God, that you would use her mightily for your kingdom purposes. And, Lord, we pray for Helen Baker. Thank you for her faithfulness to you, Lord. And as uh, people of younger generation, it's so good to see uh, older people, Lord, um, be such good examples, Lord, of what faithfulness looks like, Lord. I pray that as she faces ailments in her older years and maybe some discouragement sometimes, Lord, and frustrations, we pray that you would be with her that she would feel your nearness and your comfort and your love, Lord. Lord, show us ways we can love and care for uh, these people, Lord, that we're lifting up to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And Lord, as we continue on, we certainly do thank you for this reminder of the power of prayer. Thank you for the invitation to lift one another up before you, Lord, and to see the, your mighty hand work in, in mighty ways. Lord, we ask for a hedge of protection around the Clendenning family. Lord, we know that uh, none of us are, are different, far different from one another. We know that we face struggles and challenges individually and as families. And Lord, as we specifically lift up the Clendenning family, I pray that you'll be with Emily and Joshua and Kelsey and Michael and Nathan. I pray that you would just bless them in a mighty way, draw them closer together to one another and closer to you. I pray that whatever challenges and obstacles they're facing, Lord, that they would do so with you, that they would um, experience your grace and mercy in, in, in real and deep and tangible ways in their family. And I pray, Lord, that you'll continue to use them for your kingdom purposes and just bless them, Lord, and as they are a blessing to others and to this church. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for uh, making a way, which is called prayer, for us to be able to talk to you in our daily lives and to come to you with our requests for ourselves and for our friends and loved ones. Help us, Lord, to, to be successful in our prayer lives. Help us this week to find you and to get to know you better, to increase our faith. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.